is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. season 16, episode number 10. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And as you can hear, Dave Hellman's typing away, and uh, he's so excited to be joining this show. And I'm uh, very happy you guys could take some time with us to talk a little Cowboys football here on The Break. Um, lots of things, well, I shouldn't say lots of things, but some things are actually moving in the NFL. Uh, we'll start today talking a little bit about Jerry returning to the star. A little later, we got a new segment that we'll be starting up probably about five minutes from now. We call it Story Time on the Break. And uh, our storyteller today is none other than Darren Woodson. He's got a few stories for us. Uh, we'll try to do that every week. Have a special guest in to tell us some interesting stories from behind the curtains at the star with the Cowboys. Uh, in addition, to that we'll also get into some of the conversations around the owners' meetings uh, and then talk a little bit about Cheeto Awuzie. Uh, in the final segment. How's everybody doing today? Good, Good. I just want you to know I was promoting the show on Twitter. So, I, you know. I wasn't doubting that you were doing something very important. It sounded like you were doing something very important. So I appreciate that. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump I'm in. great. Jerry returned to the star yesterday, Nick, and uh, you had an opportunity to write an article about that. First of all, tell me right now, I, I guess, tell me for the fans out there who don't know, um, what are teams allowed to do at this point? What has the NFL said as far as what teams are allowed to do uh, as of today, as of yesterday, really? The big thing is that no coaches or players are allowed uh, in the building for uh, competitive reasons, and that's because you have to have the guidelines of the state, um, of your own state, to be able to return to work. Obviously, Texas has been very public. Texas is, is reopened, so uh, that works for the Cowboys. So they, they can have um, – no more than 75 people in the building or, or 50 percent just depends on how big your your uh, organization is the cowboys obviously have way more than 150 employees so 75 is the max uh and if somebody's going to lead it off on tuesday it might as well be jerry jones and the jones family so uh you know jerry had a, a virtual owners meeting call that he wanted to to take and he wanted to make sure and do it in the office he's kind of leading the charge uh, as the Cowboys are working their way, like other teams, working their way back. And just to be clear, uh, healthy players and coaches are not allowed in, in the, the facility uh, as of right now based upon the NFL rules because the NFL wants to ensure that all teams have a fair footing. So until all teams have access to be able to get back into their buildings, no healthy players or coaches will be allowed in the building. Nick, I'll ask you too, what, what's the significance of Jerry being at the Star yesterday? Was there significance in that? I, I think the significance of, you know, people are, are working again. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, they did an NFL draft virtually. I mean, we all know where he was for the draft. So he didn't have to be in the building to take that call. We know that. But um, the, 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 what it symbolizes is that, you know, this is the first step back. And, you know, I think he, some of his uh, other uh, uh, vice presidents and, 
and uh, front office personnel were, were able to, to go up there. There wasn't a lot of people there, but, you know, it's, it's the first step and, and hopefully many steps that we all can, can get back in there. Yep. All right. Let's. Uh, we're gonna. We should be having Darren Woodson joining us here in just a moment. Uh, we'll get into a lot of different topics uh, with him. Until we do that, though, uh, I wanted to start a little conversation. I saw something really interesting uh, on uh, NFL.com yesterday. Uh, Cynthia Freeland, uh, NFL.com writer, um, she had. A, she was talking about all the different teams, and she she identified one player on all 32 teams uh, that she said was underappreciated uh, based upon how people viewed them. And uh, it's interesting that the player that she pointed out for the Cowboys, now I'll read you this quote. She's talking about Cheetah Bay Awuzie. She said he's been far less ta- uh, talked about despite forcing 18 incompletions in 2019, that being the third most in the NFL. Pretty impressive stuff. I'm going to leave you with that, and we'll think about that. And we'll get to that. <laughs> right now we're being joined by a uh, guy that, that I just think the world of as a former player of the Cowboys. He was a 1992 all-rookie team uh, member. He was a five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team all-pro, uh, three-time Super Bowl champion, Mr. Darren Woodson. Welcome to the show, Darren. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. About time y'all got me back on. Wait, this, hey, you know how put this on Derek. I'm not putting it on you. I'm putting it on Nick. Wait, wait. Hold on. Coming. Hold on. Real quick, Woodson. Um, when Chris says how much he loves you and all that stuff, have you seen his office? He's got some random picture behind there. Have you seen our <laughs> office, though? I mean, our office had – I think you're well represented in our office. So uh, I don't know why you're going to put that on me. Yeah, you're right. I can't, I can't, I can't throw it on Amber. I can't throw it on <laughs> Nick, quit trying to look good and sound good right now. That yeah. picture was put there, okay? It was not by your, your choice. It was not your choice. That's absolutely <laughs> false right there because Shannon and I had a thousand pictures we could pick from, and we chose that one. We put it there, and actually it wasn't high enough or it wasn't low enough or whatever. It was a big ordeal, and then Darren came and signed it, so... Yeah, uh, it definitely was our choice. Hey, Shannon, who do you want to put in here? Darren Woodson. Sounds good. To get you going, though, tell us a little bit about uh, how you and your family are doing, how y'all are dealing with, uh, I guess, what everybody's dealing with, of restrictions and, and, and staying at home and all those kinds of things. Well, first of all, my, my, my heart goes out to, to those that are suffering through COVID because there's, you know, some of us are impacted more than others. Uh, I've had some friends. Uh, Charlie Williams, a good teammate of ours, mine in the 90s, he lost his brother uh, through wow. COVID. So, I mean, it's, you know, for some of us, it hasn't been that, that big of an impact uh, outside of just, you know, logistically uh, being, uh, being such. But, you know, for a lot of us, you know, health-wise, it has. And, you know, my heart goes out to those families. Uh, for myself, uh, it's been a, a different being home, as you guys well know, I travel a lot, whether it be through business or uh, and mostly through business. And, uh, you know, I'm home now. Uh, the family is probably about ready for me to get the, the heck out of the house. Uh, I'm back in my office, as you can probably see today. I'm right here in the near the atrium of the, of the Cowboys headquarters. So I'm back in the office. Right now, we're, we're coming back. Uh, they're trying to get back slowly, get back in. I'm, I'm in the office twice a week. So, you know, things are on the uptick, man. So hopefully uh, we can make this turn. That's good stuff. Dave, do you have a question? I 
actually do, Darren. I I know it's been a while since you've been on the break. I feel like we haven't had you in a long enough time that I'm not sure you know that me and me and Amber are kind of like the safety whispers of the Dallas Cowboys media. <laughs> and so having the best safety in Cowboys history, I feel like I, I just have to get your stance because I'm not sure I've heard it just about where things have stood with that position on this team for so long. Because every year it seems like we're saying, well, they're not going to find their Darren Woodson in the draft this year. And as the guy who played the position for the Cowboys, you know, I, I looked this up when I heard you were going to be on the show. The only safety they've drafted as highly as they drafted you since you was Roy Williams. Yeah. Yeah. They just They really have not prioritized it. And as somebody who appreciates the position, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I'd love for them to go out and get a draft to safety early. Of course, I think we all do. Uh, but you know, listen, I, trust me, the, the role of being a GM uh, across the league, not just the Cowboys, it's a tough deal. I mean, it's a tough situation, especially when there's there's players that are falling to you, similar to to this year when CD Lamb fell to them in, at that spot. I mean, how do you how do you bypass that and reach for safety? So, you know, for any GM, it's, it, that's a hard job to have. But, you know, we, if we keep going back to that topic of, well, we haven't had a safety since. And, I, and in my opinion, I think, you know, Roy Williams was an awesome pick uh, when we got him. Uh, you know, I think it was a set, what, number eight or so uh, when he was drafted. And his production was unbelievable. I, I, I don't know if there was anybody who had a five-year span that, that played at that level. You know, Roy was awesome. And, and, I, and I look at teams – you know, as time has gone on, you, you see the safeties that get drafted early. Some safeties that get drafted early are those guys that, like the Troy Palomalos, uh, that got drafted early. The Ed Reeds that get drafted early. If you want a, a legitimate safety, you're going to have to take a chance and, and get that guy early. But you know, the Cowboys have been in situations where it's been, you know, you know, no, you know, no offense to Heath, but Heath was a special teamer who was converted to be in a safety. And if you're going to play it that way, if you're going to have a guy who plays who's not picked early as a safety, didn't have a huge college career as being a guy who turned the ball over at the safety position, but now you expect them, you expect a, a, a special teamer to come in and fit that role, you're not going to you're not going to have a guy that's going to play at that high level uh, at that position. So yeah, I'm with you guys. You know, if you want a guy or if you want to go trade for Jamal Adams, hey, I'd love to have Adams. <laughs> But you know there, there's, there's going to be some issues when you do so. You got to give up a lot. Best days, guys. A former LSU guy. He's been he's been on that bandwagon for a while now. Absolutely. Aaron, did you have something for Darren? I mean, looking at what they have done right now. Obviously, we know that they didn't draft a safety, and you talked about that. But looking at the at like haha Clinton Dix that they got during free agency, and the four guys that they currently have, and the thought of maybe moving some of these cornerbacks into the safety position. How do you currently feel with the safety position and looking at the guys that the Cowboys currently have for this year? I, I thought it was good. You know, when they brought in Ha Clinton Dix, I, I felt like, you know, that was a good pickup for them based on there is familiarity as far as Ha Ha understanding this. Every time I say that name, it just kills me. But every time, <laughs> he's familiar with this defense. He'll understand what exactly they need to, to get done. And he can always teach the guys who aren't familiar with this defense. So I, I thought that was a good pickup knowing that, that there's going to be some at least some immediate leadership in the knowledge as far as the knowledge aspect. 
I think this team is doing what they can right now uh, at that position. Um, I don't have a problem. I, I, I'm not big on moving guys from the safe, from the cornerback position into the safety position uh, just because you have to, just because of need. I think you still there's some still some safeties out there, some veteran safeties out there that you can probably take a look at. But the guys that are playing corner right now, uh, I, I mean, look, I, I think they, they should stay where they are. Right now. Look, I know that we had a down season last year. Byron Jones is no longer here. Uh, uh, what was his name? Cheeto. Cheeto didn't have a great season last year, but I don't know if you force him into another position. Let's see what he does this year. Let's let's go go through training camp, see how he's feeling about the position because he may not want to make that change. He may feel like, no, I'm say I'm a corner. This is what I do. So you you know, let's fill him out. You know, with with COVID, you can't really get a good look because we can't get out there on the football field right now, and it's going to be a process going through training camp. But I, I think they're looking at it now is they're, they're bringing in these pieces at the safety position. I'm not so sure that you move a guy like Cheeto into, into that position just yet. Let's play it out. And corners don't want to hit. So uh, <laughs> having that mentality, I mean, that's going to be more, that's, that's more of a change than you think. In that case, when I was just gonna say, so when you look at the secondary overall, corner and safety position, how do you feel just overall? I thought, even though Byron didn't turn the ball over uh, and didn't make dynamic plays on the ball, he was a very good corner on the outside. He he was a very good, very good defensive player and, and and did some good things on the outside. Uh, replacing that production is gonna be hard. Now, again, you know, people are always taking shots at the fact that he didn't have any interceptions, but he played extremely well. I just think he was a veteran guy, athletic, and you didn't have to worry about Byron. And Byron played through a lot of injuries as well. He was available. And that says a lot to me when you have a, that kind of guy who's going to be available to play week in and week out. Without that, um, I'm a little nervous going into the season because I thought he was a tremendous athlete. Uh, and guy that was available. So I, I'm concerned about that role being out there, that player. Well, I was hoping you would make me feel better, but you, you are not making me feel better right now. <laughs> Nick, you're up. Uh, are we going, we're going to have him tell some stories? Yeah, I know you, you said that there were a couple stories you had, yeah. that you thought Darren would be the perfect person to tell. Uh, so well, let's get into a little story time here on the break. Yeah, you know, Darren, we've uh, we've had a lot of interviews over the over the years, and uh, you've told some great stories. And a couple that that come to mind were, um, I, th I think, both from the same season. You were a veteran in 2003. Bill Parcells comes in; he was looking to you to help scorch the earth, uh, as, as you've said uh, before. But talk about a couple of rookies from that team, and that kind of caught your eye or caught your ear. Um, and, and just maybe even called you out, actually. Uh, well, I, what year was that? Was that 2000 or 2003? 2003, Bill Parcells took over. Yeah. Uh, okay, so immediately, I, the one story I do do have that, uh, that I can remember is when, when Romo came in, and, you know, at the time I think we had Quincy Carter, uh, Chad Hutchinson, and Drew Henson were our quarterbacks. Um, if I name those right, I think I think those were our top three guys. Was Drew Henson here? Sterner. Sterner. Oh, yeah. was it Sterner? Sterner was here. Was Chad Hutchinson not here? 
He was at 03, yeah. He was, but not not Drew yet. But it was yeah, Roman Reigns yeah. Carter, yeah. 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 Uh, I instantly felt like Romo was the guy. Like, instantly. It was the ball came off his hands differently than all the other quarterbacks, especially uh, <laughs> Quincy Carter, because you never knew what you're getting with, with Quincy. Um, and Quincy was considered the starter at the time. Uh, Romo came in, and we he was just running scout team. And I, I just felt like there was something about him, and Sean Payton was taking his time with Romo on, off to the side and, and trying to get him. And I kept looking at this guy like, you know, this dude's out here killing us on scout team. And even to the point where, you know, Romo would hold the ball and he'd scramble around, and I was the guy on defense like, that's never going to happen in the game. You're not going to be able to move around <laughs> and scramble like that and buy time for wide receivers. You know, this doesn't work that way in the NFL, son. You know, I was that the old man saying all this. So fast forward, it, Romo was exactly who that was as far as buying time in the pocket. But he was just showing out, man, in, in practice and, you know, made us look silly at times. And, and I was with Cam, I was with Bill Parcells, and Bill used to sit way in the back and watch practice. And he would sit and, and he would – you know, behind the defensive backs. So basically, the, the drills going on, you know, seven on seven or the team drills going on, he'd be way behind the defense on the field and he'd just be watching. So he calls me out there on the field and he says, hey, you know, which one of these guys do you like? And I'm looking at him. Uh, I said, which, uh, what do you mean, which guy? He says, you know, which one of the quarterbacks do you like? And I said, well, the kid over here, the the, the – the first year kid right here, the one, the free agent. And he's like, yeah, Romo. And I said, he's the one. And he looks at me and he says, you know, I can't say it on the air. He says, GD, uh, I can't play him right now. <laughs> but I can't play him right now. And I'm like, I said, well, you asked. I said, he's better than all these guys. He says, yeah, I know, but he can't play right now. What about the other guys? And I'm like, uh, Conversation's dead. So it was about a week later that we're – this is in minicamp. We come back in uh, after one of the practices, and Romo was very inquisitive. I mean, extremely inquisitive. And he would ask questions. You know, he, he didn't care, man. He, he'd walk up to a guy like me, a veteran player. He would ask me questions about defense and blah, 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 blah. And he was asking me about cover three at the time, you know, why we did this and why we did that as a secondary and – you know, when they motion across, why we inverted. So, and they were very good, really good questions. And, and I told him, I, we were having this conversation. I say, man, by the way, I said, man, look, you know, I don't know what you feel about yourself and your talents. And he's like, well, you know, I, I feel pretty good. I'm, I'm getting comfortable. I said, no, 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 man. I said, look, you are by far the best quarterback we have out there right now. By far, it ain't even close. And he just looked at me. And I, I, I almost in that you know that Romo look too that like that head to the side look I almost knew that he knew that <laughs> but he, oh, he but I it was completely on me at the same time but you know he was just a, he was built differently mentally mentally why I mean you always know Romo's being dumpy of course he wasn't like the most physical looking guy but he just had this confidence about his approach to the game that I that just stood out to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think um, it probably was like, see, there's another one that thinks so. You know, Wilson thinks so too. So <laughs> I was probably yeah. the first one that said it to him. I, I guarantee. I, was, I know Parcells didn't say it to him. I know no, that no. fact. No. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing was that Nick and I used to host a uh, a show the night before games uh, on the road. Uh, it's called the Road Show, and we had Tony on one game before while he was a rookie, I think. Nick, wasn't it? I know it was before he was the starter. He wasn't playing. I don't remember what year. But, but he told us at the end of the show, I will be the starting quarterback for this team at some point. And we all, it, it, everybody got silent for a second, and then it was kind of like, all right, thanks for joining us. We're ready to end the show. We'll catch you next okay. time. Uh, oh, sorry, Tony. Show, right? but, uh, but no, I mean, he always had that confidence. He always felt like he was going to be the guy at some point, and obviously it, it all came true for him. Oh, he, he was, uh, I saw it right away when he joined our flag football team. Uh, and, and we couldn't call him Tony. We called him T, but nobody in town knew what his face looked like, so he could play with us. He was really good in the regular season. I, I can tell you that. Playoffs, <laughs> n- not so good, but uh, oh, regular season. There you go, wow. there it, you go Nick. It's yep. just, it was a fact. I mean, he he threw five interceptions in a playoff game in flag football. So I was thinking. That's wow. probably never going to happen. So when he was telling Derek <laughs> that, I think I flashed back to that, like. Yeah, that didn't work, work out so well. We'll see about that T. Yeah. <laughs> but, but by far the best athlete on the field, offense, defense, I mean, a bunch of scrubs like us, but I'm just saying you could see he was a great athlete and a very great, you know, mind of the game and all that. So, yeah, you could, you could definitely tell that right away. Do we have time for one more story? Yeah, Aaron? well, I, in that same class, man, I'll tell you another one. That same class was with uh, Jason Witten. I mean, Witt came in. Uh, that year and uh, at the time I remember someone saying like he was the youngest guy on the team he was like 20 years old when he came in or whatnot and and I was like man he's a good looking dude I mean what was what looks good now but he looked really good when he first came in I mean he and much more athletic and much faster uh, than he than he is uh, at near at the end of his career but he came in and I was all the defensive backs you know, the safeties, I used to cover the slot receiver, so I would never go out and do one-on-ones against the tight ends. That just, that was like a slap in the face. And Zimmer would be like, you want to go cover the tight ends? I'm like, that, please. Cover the tight end? Really? Cover him blindfolded, right? So we're on two separate fields. I'm covering the, I'm covering the wide receivers on one field. The linebackers and, the, and some of the safeties are over covering the tight ends and the running backs on the other field. And you can hear the chatter go back and forth. There's always this trash talking when you're doing one-on-ones. And I'm over there covering the wide receivers, and then I can hear this young dude, uh, 82 over on the other, other sideline, as a rookie, he's barking. Like, I'm killing these dudes over here, blah, blah, blah. And he's calling my name out on the other side of the field. What's it? Come over here and get you some. And I was like, this little punk rookie is calling me out, right? So Zimmer was back, of course, standing next to me. He's laughing. Zim, and Zim knows how good this kid is over there. I have not, I ain't seen Witten, actually. I, I didn't know who he was. I mean, I saw him in practice here and there. I thought, oh, he's talented. But I had never faced him in a one-on-one situation. So Zimmer says, hey, man, you need to go get you some of that. I said, cover a tight end, really? He said, you need to go see this kid. This kid can flat out get it. He can play. 
So I said, I'm going to go give him some. I'm going to go give him. And I used to always call myself the claw back then. I was like, yeah, the claw is going to go give him. You know, I'm going to go kill this kid. So I walk, I go on over there. And I run over there. And he's like, yeah, it's about time. And I'm like, man, I can't believe. First of all, I can't believe you, you, you're talking to me. It's crazy what. So I said, get your ass up there. You know, excuse my language. I'm sorry. So I'm like, okay. I have a flashback. I'm sorry. So <laughs> get on up there. So he gets on up there, man. He runs a little like crossing route. And I'm like, man, you, you know, no, no, no. And then Romo, I think it's Romo or someone throws in the ball. And I said, it's a crossing route. I said, you can't run crossing routes in one-on-ones. So he gets back up there. And he runs a, a quick route. I get, a, I get my hand on the ball. Boom, knock it down. And I'm talking. I'm whooping. And I'm, I'm killing you, you little rookie, you know, you know, little, little baby over here calling me out. Why am I wasting my time? That's me. I'm wasting my time over here. So I'm about to run back every time. No, no, come back and get you, get you some. So I run back over and I line up against him, and he kills me two straight rounds, like double moves, does his. And I'm like, this little. <laughs> 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 this kid can run a route. And it was impressive because it just. You know, every time it got to a point to where every time that I knew he was on the other side, I said, I got to go get me some of that. Like, like that was the competitive nature we had in the 90s where Jay Novacek was out there and, you know, we were going back and forth and the trash talking was, you know, exponentially. And that's what I missed in, the, in that break until Witten got there is that you have a guy at the tight end position that could really play and knew he could play and wanted to get better. He wanted to go up against the best uh, every single time. And I thought that was that. And that's why he's, he's a Hall of Famer, man. He's just extremely competitive and wants it. Wants it more than most. Really great stories, Darren. And uh, before we let you go, I know you, you got to get out of here. But real quick, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about your podcast. I know that's something that's near and dear to you. And uh, so just tell the people a little bit about the concept of the podcast and then tell them where they can find it so they can listen in. So it's uh, the podcast, The Darren Woodson Show. It's myself, Tyler Klutz, who played uh, for a short time with the Cowboys. I, I always joke with Tyler. I said, man, you played on damn near every continent, on every football team in the history, CFL, NFL, everywhere. He played seven years in the league. Uh, and another guy, guy named uh, Ben Gibbs, who uh, played tight end at ACU and tore, great athlete, tore his knee up. But we all work together in the same office at ESRP, the commercial real estate firm here at the Cowboys headquarters. And for the longest time, we've always had these conversations. You know, Tyler and Ben were always talking about, hey, man, you love to hear these stories, not just football stories, but stories about CEOs and doctors. He said, we should start a podcast. Ben Gibbs personally said, we should start a podcast and just hear interesting stories. And I had just retired from, from ESPN, so I was like, ah, you know, I'm done with the media stuff. I just didn't want to go through that process again. And they finally convinced me. We finally had our first show, man, and I fell in love. It was like, you know, this is not an ESPN show where we're scripted. We only have two minutes to get our point across. This is a podcast where we go, we get all the way deep down, extremely transparent. We want to hear the stories. We want to hear the ups and downs. Just yesterday, we had Troy Aikman on the show. And the show wasn't about so much about the football side, but it was about his life stories. And if you hear Troy's story, there's so many times where he was at the bottom, breaking his ankle at, at, at Oklahoma and, and losing his job to Jamel Holloway and the mindset that he had to overcome uh, the fact that he had to transfer out 
the fact that he wanted to play baseball really didn't care too much about football. Man, it was it was just in, it's interesting to hear these stories because we always see the, the final product. We don't hear about the ups and downs they had to get to, the challenges they had to overcome to get to that that goal. So that's what the, the Darren Woods show is all about. Interesting stories, all verticals, not just sports, but all verticals. Where can we find it? You can find it on uh, Instagram. You can find it on uh, YouTube. You can find it all on social media, uh, on Apple. Uh, we're, we're on all those, uh, those social channels. Perfect. Hey, man, we really do appreciate you coming to join us. And don't be a stranger, man. You know you can always come. Don't you start, man. Anytime, don't you start, man. Anytime, anytime you want to come join us. You got a banger on the show. All right. All right. Hey, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the owners' meetings with the NFL. Then we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too important? Right above the subway. Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's best network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Do you want the most interesting, up-to-the-minute Dallas Cowboys news straight from the star in Frisco? How about exclusive and on command? That's right, news and nuggets you can't find anywhere else. With our exclusive Cowboys content on Alexa, you can have all the answers, secrets, stories, and more. What's Stephen Jones thinking during a game? What's Joe Looney's favorite pregame meal? We take your questions to Cowboys players and coaches, and you can hear the answers directly back to you. Just say Alexa, open Dallas Cowboys. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the OtterBox boys. OtterBox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. Yeah, what happened in the locker room? What were people saying? Was Did he talk to Antonio like that could be good stuff? You know? Yeah. Back to the break. live here at the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios from our homes, and uh, we're talking Cowboys football with you guys here for the next uh, 20, 30 minutes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, let's jump into the, a little bit of the owners' meetings. Uh, Jerry, as we mentioned earlier in the show, was back at the start. Um, he was there uh, in order to uh, to do the, the owners' meetings virtually from his office at the start. Um, and really, I guess the, the most important thing uh, that came out of those meetings, or at least the, the things that were released to the public and the public got word of uh, that came out of those meetings really revolved around diversity and inclusion. Uh, there were a couple of rules changes uh, that were enacted yesterday or resolutions that were passed uh, that were in, that were really made in hopes of being able to create more diversity among head coaches, among coordinators, 
among front office personnel in the NFL. Right now, there are four minority head coaches in the NFL. Mike Tomlin, Anthony Lynn, Ron Rivera, and Brian Flores. There are also two minority GMs, Chris Greyer and uh, Andrew Berry. Uh, but now what teams will be uh, forced to, to, to reckon with with regard to this is uh, they must interview two minority head coaches uh, that are external from, to their organization. So it can't be per coaches that are currently on their staff. Uh, they also have to uh, interview at least one external minority candidate for all DC, uh, OC, senior football, and GM um, positions. Um, and then they're no longer allowed to block assistant coaches uh, who are from interviewing for those coordinator positions. Uh, some of the things that have been talked about is uh, some of these coaches have a hard time right now because they're being they're, they're blocked by their teams from being allowed to pursue uh, head coaching. I'm sorry, uh, coordinator positions uh, while they're still under contract with a particular team. So I'll ask you guys the questions. Um, how do you how do you think this affects teams? How do you think these changes uh, affect the teams with regards to their hiring practices? Well, first of all, I love the last thing you just said. I love that rule uh, better than any of them. Um, and, and that helps all coaches. If you're a, a running backs coach and you want to be an offensive coordinator, but you still have two years left on your deal and, and you need that security to have the, that contract, I think it is very important to be able to to not be blocked that way. I've seen the Cowboys block a couple of coaches in that regard. And, and, and that just gives them one step further because you rarely see a head coach hired from anything other than a coordinator spot, so that just puts them in that one, you know, one step closer to it. Uh, I, you know, of all the things that you said, I love that one the most because I do think that helps every coach in the business, regardless what they look like. I think that does help them. So I do love that rule. Um, I like the other ones too, but I, I think that one is, is going to be very beneficial for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I think. It feels like a step in the right direction. I don't think anybody has like a perfect answer to the solution. I definitely, I'm glad the NFL is trying to be proactive about it. I mean, you're talking about a league that's 70% African American with how many, I mean, what'd you say? Two, two GMs and coaches and two GMs. Yeah. I mean, do the, do the math on that 70% African American league with like a 12% representation in the upper echelon. Obviously it's something that should be addressed. I hope it helps. I don't know. I can't sit here and say that it 100% will, though, because at the end of the day, just like every other business, it's really more about who you know than what you know, in my opinion. Um, I had a conversation with somebody relatively important one time that I think kind of got to the crux of this whole issue. And he, he was like, well, do you really you really think an NFL team wouldn't hire a guy because he's black in this day and age? Like, you really believe that? And I was like, no, I don't. That's not the point at all. I think it's that if you don't get face to face with people and and meet new people, then you're just going to continue this this perpetuation. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, people get mad when uh, when a coach's son gets hired. Not necessarily that the guy's not qualified. It's just that you looked across the hall and you're like, oh, yeah, I know. I know him. And you're just ignoring a whole host of other people. Um, so hopefully, I really like the idea that you've got to interview somebody from outside the organization uh, because it makes it at least a little bit harder to just check the box and move on. Uh, maybe you give somebody from the outside a chance to come in and really blow you away. But at the end of the day, it's not going to stop people from hiring someone they're comfortable with. Um, and in a league where 75% of the power structure is white, 
more often than not, a person they're comfortable with is probably also going to be white. So I don't know that this guarantees to fix anything. I think it's a step in the right direction, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think that, like me personally, I, given like my own personal experiences since I moved to the United States and just kind of being involved in a new culture and everything, uh, I would not be where I'm at had I not been given a chance to do anything, you know? So you don't know how much, like they've said, you don't know how much it, it will actually change. But the fact of bringing some other people from the outside, being face to face and just at least presenting the chance for that person to enchant you, you know, to to make you like them, to let them voice their opinion, their thoughts, their visions. I think that hopefully that's definitely a great start, you know, to keep moving towards the, the right direction. And by those chances, you know, if, if someone is given a chance and then they take it and it works out, then it hopefully open up more eyes and open things up better and think like, okay, well, you know, maybe going outside of our comfort zone isn't that bad. You know, maybe we can try that and it will just work out fine. So uh, I like that. Who knows how big of a change it will be, but it's definitely better than how it was before. Yeah, I think one of the big challenges here, and this is this is an NFL issue. This is an issue, I think, in general society when it comes to hiring practices. But there, there's a lot of gray area, and I think it's why you see in, in sports, particularly with athletes, um, you see there's probably a lot more uh, minority uh, uh, minorities that, that get opportunities. And I think it's because sports still remains one of the true areas where um, your abilities to be able to do the job are very easy to see, right? Uh, you can tell a running back's really good because you can look at his production, right? It's, it's a lot harder to be able to look at a position coach and say, yeah, he's a great coach. He'll be a great OC. He'll be a great DC. He'll be a great head coach because a lot of his success is really dependent upon other people doing great jobs, right? And so there's all this gray area as to a great coach and you usually don't see the great coach until he is the great coach, right? And so you, you have a lot of gray area to play with, and those are the areas where you tend to find a lot, where you have to create these these artificial ways of making sure that, that people who otherwise wouldn't get opportunities uh, can get opportunities because that gray area there isn't. It isn't as clear-cut as who are the great coaches from the guys that aren't the great coaches. You look at a guy like Jason Garrett, he checks a lot of the boxes, and you would think he's going to be really successful. I thought he would be very successful with the Cowboys. I thought he was a good leader. I thought he knew how to communicate well. Uh, there are a lot of things that he checks the box on, but he never got beyond that certain point as a head coach uh, that, that moved him into that upper echelon of coaches that are considered to be really, really good head coaches, right? And so there is that gray area, and I, and I think that's really kind of what this is, is all meant to combat to some degree. You have to be you have to be fortunate. I mean, Jason Garrett was a good coach. He, I, I mean, you can't do anything for nine years. He was a good coach, but Dallas Cowboys need better than good. And so, you know, good wasn't enough. He he got he, he had great seasons when he really needed to. He had some bad luck as well. I mean, you know, I mean, some of those games against the Packers that that was that wasn't you know fortunate for him. But he also was fortunate in other ways. But you know, it, it's all about who who's around you. I mean, I know Eric B. Enemy get gets a lot of talk about, you know, why he, he didn't get a head coaching job. And, you know, he probably will, will get a lot more chances too. But 
having Patrick Mahomes helps him. I mean, that, that helps him. Look at Jim Caldwell when he was coaching the, the Colts. I mean, Josh McDaniels, those guys coach great players. And so it is kind of hard to figure out, you know, how what your value is. Is it about the players? Is it about you? Is it about the system? So I, whatever gives them an opportunity, you know, coaches say all the time, put me in the room, let me talk, and let me, let me sell myself. And I think this is going to give them, it's going to give a lot of coaches an opportunity to, to do that more. One of the well-documented examples of, of the Rooney rule and how it worked is Mike Tomlin. Uh, it, as, as the story goes, the, the Steelers were not necessarily thinking that he was going to be a, a, a really strong candidate, but they, they needed to get an African, give an African-American coach an opportunity. Um, and they gave an opportunity, and he completely blew him away. And uh, it turned out being a good hire for them. They got a coach that won a Super Bowl for him. So I think I think ultimately that's the whole point of the Rooney Rule, and even these changes to the Rooney Rule is get the guys opportunities to get in front of the right people, and then make the decision, right? But at least you had an, you gave them the opportunity to be able to sell themselves as the best uh, head coaching candidate, the best offensive coordinator candidate, uh, even the best GM candidate, uh, and then based on that you can make your decision because it now gave them access to the process. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to discredit Jason Garrett. He's a well-credentialed coach. He's had a lot of success as a coach. But to go back to my point, don't you feel like his relationships around football helped him fast-track his career? I mean, he played for the Cowboys. He was already on Jerry Jones's radar well before he even got into coaching. Uh, Parlayed a decade-plus worth of playing into getting a job with Nick Saban very, very early in his career. Honestly, and again, not to discredit the guy, but relationships helped him land with the Cowboys. His father, you know, worked for the Cowboys. Like, again, who you know is very important. Not everybody's going to have such a wealth of connections. And so anything you can do to get new people in a room with decision makers, hopefully will be a good thing. And also it's like, like you guys said, it's, about selling yourself that when you do get that chance that you are able to sell yourself and, and make it convincing because for example remember chris richard like i was one of the ones I was like, oh yes chris richard for head coach let's go come on but after that once i started hearing some things of the way he interviewed with other teams that it, he wasn't necessarily a great interviewer and from what i hear or heard he, those interviews didn't really go well. And the thing is that sometimes these uh, teams, they also reach out to the pri their prior team, you know, and other GMs and other people just to kind of find out, okay, how was this guy as a coach over there, you know, uh, behind the scenes? Because, yes, you get to see what he does on the field and everything, but how it goes beyond the things that you do on the field. It's also about those kinds of relationships and how, how – how are you as a leader? You know, and that's one of the things that Garrett did have. But in general, it's just such a tricky position because so many things have to work in your favor that it's just really tough. But all in all, I do think this is a move in the right direction. I think hopefully it will help uh, to get more more people opportunities that should get an opportunity. And we'll see if that ultimately ends up in, in them getting more jobs. Uh, because I do think at the end of the day, the results are just as important as the process. So hopefully this gets them more opportunities uh, to get involved in that process. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we got some questions. Amber lined up some questions from you, the fans. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? 
Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. So the next time you're craving this, the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back to the break. We're in the final segment of the break. We are live from the virtual SWBC Mortgage <laughs> Studios. Uh, we are in our homes, and uh, we're talking a little Cowboys football. We're in the final segment. Amber has some questions lined up. Amber, what do you have? All right, let's go. Um, since we have been talking about coaching, you know, head coaching position and all that, I have a question about Mike McCarthy. I know that he's on a one-year deal, but um, do you guys think that he gets a pass if the Cowboys end up with a losing record? I mean, does he have a shorter leash or is he, you know, compared to how they were with Garrett as far as patience, you know? So are you, can I clarify real quick? Are you talking about will the organization be patient with him or the fans? Or the media? No, no. Or, organization, Jerry organization. Jones. All right. All right, got it. Nick, you had something to say. I saw you raise your hand. Oh, well, I'm a, maybe I'm a little confused. I, I don't think he's got a one-year deal. That, it was that, I don't know if that was the question. Um, I, 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 don't, I, don't know how, I don't know how the deal was structured. I think it was, it's longer than, than a one-year deal. Um, Five-year contract. Yeah. Basically, it's like in this first year, in the first year, yeah. do you think that he gets like a, a shorter leash oh, as far okay. as patient one? Like I, um, or does he have to do a lot better than what Garrett gotcha. gave you? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, because it, we've seen in coaches, you can, Jerry can do whatever he wants, you know, as far as they can be a one-year deal in his mind or whatever. Um, as far as, as when, when does the seat start getting warm? Basically, um, I think it's it, you know he'll have a little bit of, of leeway, but everybody who thinks last year's roster was good probably will think this year's roster is 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 really good as well. And you know I think that if he you know 
if they lose close games where it feels like the game was mismanaged or, or whatever, then yeah, I think it'll it will it'll be this year when you start hearing, oh, I thought this guy was a little bit better. So I mean, a little bit of a leash, but I think with the Dallas Cowboys head coaching position, the criticism will always be there, and it'll start from the you know from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, the court of public opinion, people expect wins and they expect them right away. Like, if this season is even mediocre, people are going to be upset. That's just the nature of the beast. But, like, the Cowboys themselves, this season would have to be an unmitigated disaster for, I mean, they'd have to win five or fewer games for me to think, like, Mike McCarthy was going to get fired after one season on the job. Like, that just, that doesn't even happen you know, nobody does that. Very rarely, I guess the Browns did it with Freddie Kitchens, but it was an unmitigated disaster. Uh, so it would have to be something really, really bad. And on top of that, you know, the Cowboys aren't, they don't, they're not having an offseason, not a traditional one at any rate. So you've already got that baked into the pie. Um, you know, it would be really, really surprising to see the organization lose faith with him before, you know, at least two or three seasons. I'll say this though i don't think i don't think there's anybody in this organization that doesn't believe they have a quality team as far as the personnel is concerned and i'm talking a playoff caliber team um and who knows what beyond that but so i, I do think there would be some raised eyebrows uh within the organization uh with people that matter if if this team is, is not a playoff team i think there would be some questions on that because i think they feel like they already had a good roster. I think they feel like they had a, a wonderful, outstanding draft, as everybody wants to say. So I think when you combine all those things, I think, and they're bringing in a coach who has the pedigree of Mike McCarthy. I think their expectations for Mike McCarthy is he's going to get this team in the playoffs and he's going to take them a long way. And maybe that doesn't have to happen. Like, then they don't have to go all the way this year. But I do expect that if, if this is, a, is not a playoff team this year, I think there will be a little bit of disappointment. I think there will be expectations that he should be uh, better, that this thing should be better than that for this year. Well, talking about the quarterback position, um, we know that Andy Dalton is going to be here with the Cowboys. Uh, going back to when Mark Sanchez was here, you know, we talked about how Mark Sanchez was able to help Dak with some of the things on the field and off the field and how to kind of manage and find his way through what he was dealing with at the position when you look at Andy Dalton what are some of the things or qualities that he can show Dak or what can Dak learn from him I think sorry Dave I, I think that um you know if you want to get really detailed with it I, I he you know he's he's a guy when Dak comes off the field you know he, he can look over at, at, at Andy Dalton and he has seen it before he's seen it several times he knows exactly what that defense is like and to be specific, there are four games on the schedule that uh, against teams that, uh, you know, Dak hasn't played since his rookie year. And Andy Dalton played him twice a year, and, and including Cincinnati in practice. So he'll be able to kind of help from, from that standpoint as well, just in those weeks uh, on a team that's, that's not going to be as familiar for the Cowboys and the offense and for Dak. So uh, I just think a, a veteran set of eyes and, and, and in, in his mind – will be something that Dak uh, will lean on if he allows, you know, to do that, if he allows himself to do that, which I think he will. I'm about to steal a stat from Twitter, and I apologize. I can't find I can't find who tweeted it, so I'm sorry to that person. But I saw it blew my mind. Do y'all, like, Dak already 
holds the Cowboys record by a considerable margin for consecutive starts. More than Romo. Uh, you know, Romo obviously had a lengthy problem with injuries. Aikman had his injury issues as well. Missed games in several seasons. Staubach. Dak is already way better than all of them. Like, I think he's got 64, and behind him it's like 37 or 40-something. Like, yeah, wow. yeah, exactly. So, and the reason I bring it up is I was never worried about the, the backup quarterback position in the sense that he would have to play because Dak has not really given a ton of indication that he would need to come off the field. But what's always bothered me about backup quarterback is what do any of these guys know about quarterbacking that Dak Prescott doesn't? Like, uh, hey, Coop, what'd you see out there? He's like, I don't know. I've only played in garbage time ever in my life. Uh, so, and I mean, I'm not trying to dog Cooper Rush, but you'd like to think the backup quarterback can help the starter sort of navigate his way through a game or a season or a game plan. Andy Dalton started 133 games. He's been to the playoffs more times than Dak. Um, you know, I don't think he's a better quarterback than Dak right now, but he's got plenty of expertise to lend. And I think that makes him twice as valuable on top of the fact that he could step into the lineup if he needed to. There's not much to add to that. I think both those guys hit the nail on the head. It's experience. So uh, if nothing else, he'll be able to add some experience to uh, to what Dak has, has and has not been able to see. Although he's been in the league now long enough where he's probably seen pretty much everything. It's just a matter of having another set of eyes that tells him what he's seeing as the game's going on. And and, and also, there's a misperception uh, out there about competition. I think a lot of times people think that if somebody's not a real threat to take your job, that they're not competing with you. But any any person that's competitive, any guy that's ever went out and played and saw, if Andy Dalton takes the second-team offense down and scores a touchdown in the first you know practice of training camp, Dak's going to see that. Dak knows that. And Dak's going to make sure that, he, you know, that the offense doesn't struggle. So it's not about taking his job. It's just taking it to another level. And I think Andy Dalton can do that better than anybody that's ever been around Dak. That's a really great point, Nick. It's just setting that yeah. bar, right? You see the bar, and, and if you're a competitor, you go try to beat the bar, right? Yeah. If, if Rob Phillips writes a really good story, Two days in a row, Dave's going to be, I mean, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm right one, too. I mean, that's. Hey, I'm hey, too. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's with anybody. I mean, you know, I mean, I, we're, we're, I'm, I'm that way as well. So it, it's, I just think that will help. He's got somebody next to him that, that will push him. Uh, and I think it'll be done in a, in a healthy way. Okay, I didn't check this stat, so I don't know if it's 100% accurate or not, but according to this tweet, Chris Jones was the 23rd ranked punter on 2018 and 30th last year. Special teams have killed us over the last years. Any word on bringing in some competition at the punter position? You know, Mike was asked about that after the draft. In one of the, you know, in one of the various Zoom calls that we did with them, somebody asked him about that, and, and he made it sound like they feel they feel pretty good about what they have. I think uh, John Fossil is comfortable or optimistic about Chris Jones. I don't, I don't argue the point, and I don't even need to look at the rest of the NFL. Compare Chris Jones to himself. Uh, go look at his numbers from 2016 and 2017 compared to the last two seasons. It's very drastic. Um, the net punting, you know, how many yards you're giving up as well as your, your field position, you know, in 2016 and 2017, like he was pinning teams inside their own 20, 
like half the time. And it just hasn't been the case. Um, so I don't argue like he, he has not been up to snuff, but you bring in a new coordinator, one of the better special teams coordinators in the league. Um, if he thinks he can work with Chris, I, I trust that I'm not, you know, I'm not panicking about it. You don't think they, they need a contingency plan? I think the contingency plan is, is whoever's out there when, when you decide. I mean, I, I think that you, you would probably go get a veteran punter. I don't think you're going to get um, a guy that's really going to push him all, all the time in practice. But I, I don't, I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't. I think that stats are weird when it comes to punting. Um, you could be on the 40-yard line. You could punt it to the 10. That's a good punt. But it looks like a 30-yard punt to the guy in New York, and it doesn't look great. So the people that know are the ones that are right here, the ones that are in the press box, Dave, Derek, Amber, the ones that, that watch it and go, they need a really good punt here. And that wasn't. The, you know, like you could just tell from the eye test, and he, he, he struggled some last year. Now, he did have a back injury that affected him all last year. Wasn't publicly known a lot, but I do think that, that if he's healthy – he can be better, but the watch is on for him because they have to be better than they than what they were. And the tough part for me is that it's been two years now. It's It was last year and the year before that he wasn't great. Um, and so that's what makes me start to think at this point, maybe you're seeing a decline. Maybe they can get more out of him. I, I, I certainly am open to the idea if you bring in a new special teams coordinator and he's supposed to be one of the best in the league, that maybe he figures out some ways uh, to be able to help him and to be able to get him back to what he was uh, two years ago. But as of right now, I think they need a contingency plan. And again, maybe the thought is the contingency plan means that, you know, whoever's out on the street right now likely is going to be out on the street once you get to training camp and beyond. So if you need to make a move, you already have that short list. You call those guys up and you make the move. But um, I just hope that they're thinking in that way because I, I don't trust necessarily right now that he's going to be he's going to have an about face from what he's been the last two years. I think with him, let's not rule out how good is his arm. Or how good is his legs? Because nobody runs more fake punts than, than uh, John Fossil. He runs them all the time. And we've seen a couple fake punts out of Chris Jones. He's a good athlete. So uh, that's going to factor into this. I mean, I know we're, we're joking around about it, but, I mean, they're going to run some fake punts. And I think he's he's pretty good, uh, you know, guy to have in that regard. Obviously, you want to see how well he punts because that's 99% of his job, um, or I, I'd say – 75 because he does he is a holder as well but you know his athletic ability the punter's athletic ability is important to a john fossil special teams this probably applies to like any business but my border like my baseline attitude toward any player that struggled is i'm like it's you know it's a brand new coaching staff it's an all new cast and the schemes are going to change and for the most part i'm just willing to give anybody the benefit of the doubt um and let these let these coaches see what they can do with them, and you can reevaluate if that's not the case once you start playing football. But I I feel plenty optimistic that Chris Jones can bounce back. Hey, real quick, Amber, before we end the show, I wanted to get back to that question I was about to ask you guys in the first segment about Cheeto. Uh, I'll read it up, but uh, Cynthia Freeland of NFL.com she asked she was talking about. She named one player from every team that she thought was undervalued. She named Cheeto Awuzie the guy for the Cowboys. She said he's been uh, far less talked about despite forcing 18 incompletions in 2019, third most in the NFL, a stat I did not know. 
we also did some research looking into just uh, pro football focuses uh, coverage ratings. Uh, Richard Sherman was at the top of the list with 90.5 rating. Byron Jones was 16th at 74.8 rating. And Cheeto, get this, was number 26 at 70.5 rating, which if you think about it, you got 32 teams, and that means you got two cornerbacks at least on all those teams, not including the third cornerback, which would make that number even higher. So 26 is not a horrible place as far as a ranking in the NFL as far as cornerbacks. My question for you guys is, have we undervalued what Cheeto Bay Awuzie has been for this team at quarterback? Quarterback. Let's start with you, Dave. As usual, I'm going to talk out of my, both sides of my mouth a little bit because, one, I do, I do think Cheeto probably, like, the rap is worse than the actual on-field product. Um, it is hard to play cornerback. It's a thankless job. If you give up completions, that's what people remember. I think you can say the same thing about Anthony Brown. I think he is a better player than the public discourse gives him credit for. Having said that, I can't sit here and say that I think Cheeto is undervalued. Like, you can go back and watch. Like, the plays are there. His coverage is usually good, but at some point, you have to admit that the opposing receiver makes the reception. You have to admit that he had problems finding the ball with how often he was targeted. You have to admit that he was taken out of a game by the coaching staff uh, for coming late on an angle and giving up a big run play. I think it was against um, – who was that against? It was like Buffalo maybe? Uh, it was like in December. I don't know. But he was pulled out of the starting lineup by the coaching staff. So all that stuff is still true. Um it, it's kind of like what I said about Chris Jones. It's like, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that a change of coaches and a change of scenery do him good. I do think he's a capable NFL starter, but I can't go as far as to say he's the most undervalued player on the roster. Definitely not. I, I think that, I think that the premise behind that point is the fact that he's ranked 112th in a league in, in cornerbacks. Uh, average salary. He's making just over a million. I think he's fifth on the Cowboys roster right ahead of CJ Goodwin, who's not ever going to play corner and Daryl Worley and Trevon Diggs, who's never had a snap and Anthony Brown. And um, I think there's a, there's an, and Mar uh, Maurice Kennedy, they're all ranked, you know, higher than him. And he could be your best cornerback. Cheeto could be. Um, so I think that's where, where that comes in. It comes in, you know, anytime you get in the last year of your deal, you're going to be undervalued because you're probably a good player that's starting and your contract's still not there yet because you haven't got a second deal. So um, I think he's, he's good, like Dave said. I agree with everything Dave said. Um, he had some problems last year. Your ex expectations were higher. Um, but I, I think that, you know, he, he's, he's making a million dollars a year. There's a lot of corners making more, and a lot of them aren't even cornerbacks in this league. They're special teams guys. This before, I do see – the talent in him, I think we've seen it before. We've seen the kind of like competitive nature that he has. He's a physical guy. He 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 can do it. He can do it. I had in my I had high hopes for him last year. Obviously, it didn't go. Um, I'm sure how he planned it to go. But when you talk about a guy like him, I think that regardless of whatever people say, regardless of whatever stat. This year, he's going to have a lot to prove if he wants to even stay on the team. So at this point, whether he's undervalued or not, you just you got to step it up and, and just find a place on the roster. 
And if you talk about undervalue, I mean, I would be talking about a guy like Jordan Lewis instead, you know, when you're looking at those stats. Um, but, but yeah, he hopefully can step it up this year. And with the addition of these other younger guys, that can bring out more competitiveness out of everyone. And we'll see what happens there at the position. All right, that's a wrap. We appreciate you guys joining us this week. We'll be back next week at our normal time, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Till then, Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia. I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break Live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?